So good morning, church. Hope you're all doing well this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jordan, as Pastor Charles mentioned. I am the former youth pastor of Uti Hill Church and the current operations pastor. It's still a little bit of a point of contention at the moment with some of the youth kids. I'm going to be real with you this morning. If you ever want to know how to make 26 youth kids go deadly quiet in about 30 seconds, just tell them on the last night of youth that you're no longer their youth pastor and they will go completely quiet. We went from running around, some might say out of control to me getting up at preaching and then this is what you heard. One of the youth kids threw a water bottle in protest, not at me, just in the air and I thought, oh great. So parents, there's a hot tip for you. If your kids are out of control, just tell them you're not their parents anymore. (laughs) It's a joke, relax everyone. I've been told to keep my jokes to a minimum. They must have been too bad three years ago because it's been a three year gap and only the youth have heard me. And thank goodness this is not a Friday night right now is all I'm gonna say. But before we go any further, can we please all acknowledge how well I am dressed this morning? Can we please thank my beautiful wife? She dressed me this morning. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing well at being a husband. I'm listening to my wife. Happy wife, happy life. But I heard another one the other day that said, happy spouse, happy house. So we'll talk about that afterwards, honey, but that's fine. So... I was going back through my notes when sort of preparing for this sermon. I thought, when was the last time I spoke at church on a Sunday morning? And the last time I spoke at church was all the way back at Building A at NMIT on the 17th of December, 2015. It was at the Christmas service, no less. And I had two pages of notes and 1,137 words. My sermon went for the whole of eight minutes and all most people can remember from that is that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, to say that a lot has happened in the last three years would be quite an understatement. And hopefully as we explore God's words today, you'll get more out of it than Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. Now, one more thing before we get into the word today. I was also found a slide from the time before that I spoke at church was in Building B on Worship, which would have been early 2015. And I had to have a laugh. Can we get that slide up on the screen, please, Dale? I showed that to open one of my sermons, and if you can't read it, it says Jordan, most defiantly not a pastor. Before anyone asks, yes, that was supposed to say definitely. I wasn't married, so I didn't proofread anything back then. And if that doesn't prove that the Lord moves in mysterious ways, I don't know what does. So thank you, Pastor Charles, for taking a chance on me as your youth director, because here we stand three years later, and my grammar has slightly improved, I like to think. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, your smartphones, please open them, unlock them. And if you don't have either, turn to the screen and we will have it up on there as well. We're going to look at Joshua 1 verses 1 to 9 today. But before we go any further, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that we can gather in your house of freedom this morning, Father, and look at your word to see what you want to say to this congregation. Lord, I thank you that you do unconditionally love each and every single one of us in this room right now, Father. And I pray that as we explore the word this morning, We'll receive fresh revelation in a new way, Father, will help equip us and shape us for the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9, and we'll read it together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I have given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In this passage of Scripture, we find Joshua being commissioned by God to lead the Israelites into the promised land after the death of Moses. And in this section of Scripture, God is talking directly to Joshua. What a moment to pick this story up at. The death of a leader who is described by God as the servant of the Lord. A people who had been wandering in the desert for 40 years that were on the cusp of entering the promised land. And here is Joshua standing there being commissioned by God himself for this monumental task. Talk about a high pressure moment. And we can see that in scripture, this was not a small job. Three times, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give. Joshua would absolutely need strength and courage to accept such a daunting task. And not only that, but as we read in verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What a responsibility placed on Joshua to make sure the Lord's instructions were integral to not only who he was, but also what he did by meditating on them constantly so he could do them. So not only do we find Joshua at this point tasked with becoming the leader of the Israelites, leading them into the promised land, but he's also being tasked directly by God to make sure his word was integral in every part of his life. But if you're like me, you go, man, what an awesome and huge moment. But what about the backstory? What about the origin story? Every great superhero franchise always has at least one origin movie. And that's a great point. How did Joshua arrive at this moment? And this morning, I wanted to look at the life of Joshua and what led him to this moment where he's about to assume command of the Israelites. But I also want to look at some practical points that you and I can take from Joshua's life this morning. Are you still with me, church? I've called today's sermon, Where Have All the Blockbuster Stores Gone? Give me a wave if you have no idea what I'm referring to when I'm talking about a Blockbuster store. One hand went up and you made me feel old. If you have never seen a Blockbuster store before, please turn to the screen behind me right now. Look at that thing of beauty. Blockbuster stores were magical places where you would go to rent movies on either VHS or DVD. And for the youth kids in the room, VHS are those square looking things where if you didn't remind them, you got a fine. And Blu-rays, uh, sorry, DVDs are like Blu-rays, just not as good. But moving on, give me a wave if you're following me this morning, church. In King Lake, where I grew up, we didn't have a Blockbuster store because I'm pretty, sure, pretty certain the company Blockbuster didn't think King Lakeians had devices that could play movies. And in some cases, they were probably right. I'm going to be real with you this morning. But in King Lake, we had a video store and it was called a video library. The video library was a wondrous place. You'd wander up the road, you'd walk in there and you'd get to hire a new release just as long as you got there before anyone else. Then it was on to your second choice because there's only one copy of every new release. Usually that was gone as well and then it was on to your third choice. And it meant at that point you usually had to take a chance on what you were going to watch. 
which wasn't a bad thing because it means you took a chance at something you'd never seen before. And there's a whole other sermon we could go into there, but that's a story for another time. But the reason I'm using this illustration about blockbuster stores and videos and whatnot this morning is this. To get to the video library at King Lake, you had to leave your front door, you had to walk up the road, you had to walk inside the store, you had to choose the movie you wanted, as I said, usually your third choice by that point. You had to walk up to the bloke that was at the counter, his name was Dave. Dave, if you're listening to this podcast this morning, hello, hope you've been well. And then you had to wander back home and pray you chose well because your dad had paid for the rental at that point. If it wasn't good, he wasn't happy. You know how it is, Father. But there was a journey involved with the movie to watch. But today you and I could sit in the comfort of our home, turn on our smart TV and fire up the Netflix app and voila, any movie we want is practically at our fingertips. Whatever genre movie we could possibly dream of is there. No having to leave the house, no having to walk to the store, no having even to talk to anyone. Just turn on your TV whenever you want and there it is simply at the click of a button. And as a result, our views on movies and TV shows that we watched have changed. When there is a journey involved, you would usually push ahead with the movie even if it wasn't that great because you've gone to a lot of effort to watch it. But now if we don't enjoy the movie, we simply turn it off and go to the next one. And if we don't like that, we go to the next one. And if you're like me, you then spend the next 40 minutes trying to find one that you like, get option paralysis and go, it's too hard, I'm going to bed. Can I get an amen? But the point I'm making this morning with this illustration is this. The journey is important. The end result may not always be great, but the journey is what shapes us. The journey for Joshua before that passage of Scripture we looked at before, he was born into slavery in Egypt. He then spent the next 40 years of his life wandering the desert and serving Moses as his assistant. And I believe it was how Joshua was shaped during that journey that led him to be commissioned by God to lead the Israelites. And there are things that you and I sitting here today can learn from Joshua. Joshua's story isn't one of overnight success. Joshua's story is one of steady growth. The first point I wanted to explore this morning, if you're taking notes on your iPhones and not looking at Facebook because you wouldn't do that at church, would you? Is this, point number one, Joshua was humble and teachable. Most theologians and scholars estimate that Joshua served Moses as his assistant for 40 years. Let's not skip over that fact. 40 years is a long time. And I'm sure in those 40 years, not every assignment was glamorous, high profile, dangerous or adventurous. In fact, I'm sure there were mundane tasks in there as well. And all of us in this room can relate to mundane tasks, be it at our jobs, at our home, whatever. And it's often how in those mundane and non-exciting moments, that's where our attitude is reflected. And Joshua's attitude was one of humility and he was able to learn from each of his experiences. And quite a lot of those would have helped shape him into the man he would need to become to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. I mean, let's look at one of the cool assignments together this morning that Joshua had. In Numbers 13, we find Joshua being sent out as a spy into the promised land on a 40-day recon mission. His mission? To see what the promised land was like and if it was occupied. Dangerous? Absolutely. Full of adventure? Most definitely. Sounds almost like the trailer to an action movie, doesn't it? So Joshua goes into an unknown land, not knowing what is over the border and returns after 40 days of exploring land, only to find that eight of the 10 spies that were went out saying it can't be done, it's too hard. 
And here, another, and here we see Joshua's attitude in another spy named Caleb. Whilst the people of Israel are crying out, take us back to Egypt, and a full-blown revolt is about to happen, look at Joshua's response in Numbers 14, verses 6 to 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Even as the people of Israel were about to revolt, Joshua knew his trust was in the Lord. He knew that God had made a promise and God would fulfill that promise. And I'm sure that as Joshua was about to assume command of the Israelite nation, he could have turned around and God say, I told you all, God had this covered. But even amongst all that, Joshua remained humble. What a crazy assignment of what? 40 days in a hostile territory, and then you get back and you almost get rolled by your own people. I mean, not all the Joshua assignments were that crazy though. There were the humble ones as well. The ones that didn't have nearly two chapters of the Bible devoted to them. The one I want to look at today is found in Exodus 33, verse 11. And here we see Joshua standing at the tent of the meeting, waiting for Moses. Whilst everyone else had waited until Moses went in and then went home and worshipped, Joshua waited at the tent door. This was not the first time that Joshua had waited for Moses. When Moses went up the mount, Joshua waited. Joshua had waited for him for 40 years. And what's even more powerful, this little verse you can skip over, it says Joshua waited at the tent, was at this point in Joshua's career, he'd already led the Israelites into a battle and won. He was already well respected, yet he still waited for Moses. What a picture of humility. As most of you know, I've nearly been on staff at the church for three years now, three years in February. It's been a good run. Hopefully we can get another three years, Pastor Charles. And I've been nearly at the church for five years in total. And in my time here, I can honestly say I've learned so much from the staff members and volunteers of Uni Hill Church. Because let me be straight with all of you here this morning. Not every job at the church is glamorous or exciting. Not every job is up here preaching from the pulpit or going on Coolrong or Costco adventures. There are the unfun assignments as well. I mean, look, let's be honest, cutting brochures is not that riveting or spiritually engaging. I'll be real with you there. Even building welcome packs once again is not the greatest thing in the world or even picking up a bit of rubbish in the car park. But I can honestly say that it's in those little things that God builds our humility. I have watched our previous senior pastor arrive at church and stop and pick up rubbish in the car park before he walks up on stage. I've watched our current senior pastor get in here before most other people walk upstairs and cut brochures so we have them sitting in a rack so people can know what's happening. And all the volunteers and staff members at church embody that attitude of humility and being teachable. It's in those small assignments, not the glamorous things that everyone sees, that you see the test of someone's heart and attitude. As you saw with Joshua and Caleb, when everyone else was revolting, they said, no, God's made a promise. And for here today, no matter where we are in life, you can be studying, working, retired, whatever, we can all have that attitude of humility and remain teachable from the people around us. But ultimately, I believe it's through our humility that God can teach us. Joshua was, hum well, Joshua was humble and teachable. Can I get an amen? My second point, Joshua knew where his success came from. 
As we read before in Numbers 14, verses six to nine, Joshua knew that the source of his success was in his own awesome leadership ability, but the source of his success was God. Verses eight and nine from Numbers 14 read, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. Joshua knew where his success came from. And one of the keys to success is motivation. Joshua's motivation was to do as the Lord had instructed him. Motivation is described in the dictionary as a reason or reasons for acting or behaving in a particular way. What motivates us is the reasons we act in a certain way. For example, let's say you want to work off some of the Christmas padding that we all seem to have accrued over the last week or so. You're going to join a gym and work it off, correct? Well, that's the theory anyway. Or what about this random example by chance? You want to go to Dalesford for your anniversary. That's going to inspire you and your wife who shall not be named to save as much money as you can before your anniversary. So you're going to have a good one. Motivation is what causes action. In less than 48 hours, it will be the end of 2018. And for some of you, you're going, woohoo, I cannot wait. And for some others, as I mentioned this, you're going, better figure out some New Year's Eve plans, quick, smart. And for some of you others, you've already begun thinking about what your New Year's resolution is going to be. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the year where gym membership numbers go through the roof and sweeping, almost unattainable declarations are made right on the cusp of New Year, usually around 11.59pm. And we're headed into the New Year with all these crazy resolutions. Now, not to sound arrogant, because I don't want to forget my first point that Joshua was humble, but I set a resolution last year. And because I have the mic this morning, you all have to hear about it. My resolution was that I'd heard people always say leaders are readers. And I thought, I don't mind reading, would love to read more. So I set out with the ambitious goal to read one book a month. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, 12 books in a year. For some of you, you're going, I could do a book a week. For others, you're going, Geordie, I can't remember last time I read a book. But for me, 12 books a month was a lot. <laughs> We're not, this is not a feedback sermon. This is not one of those. We're getting to that point. Relax, everyone. But the reason I was motivated to do this and what caused the action was, my motivation was I wanted to know more about different topics. I read books ranging from Crazy Love by Francis Chan all the way through to Swipe Right by Levi Lusco. And the motivation caused me to do this. When I'd go to bed, I'd go to bed a little bit earlier so I could read. On a lunch break, instead of scrolling Facebook or YouTube, I'd read a book. The motivation caused action. And as we head into New Year's Eve, I thought, gee, I wonder how long people generally keep a New Year's resolution. So I did some research. Now, because I'm a former youth pastor, I still haven't gotten out of the interactive sermon phase yet. So I'm going to need your help and participation this morning. But to keep it in order so it doesn't turn into a Friday night at youth, we're going to use our hands. So my question is this this morning, and please raise your hand and I'll ask you, how long do you all think a New Year's Eve resolution lasts? Give me a wave. Yes. So we'll say about two weeks. Any other guesses? Less than a month? One year. They were all great guesses. Dad, you must do really well at resolutions. The correct answer was January 12th, about a week and a half. 
The company that did this research was called Strava and it's a social media network for athletes and by analysing 31.5 million activities over January, they arrived at the date of January 12th or as it is known, Quitter's Day. If you're born on January 12th, I'm sorry for ruining your birthday. <laughs> but what I found so interesting about this data was that what was the reason for people breaking their resolutions and the number one reason for people not keeping their New Year's resolutions was this. It was a loss of motivation. What had only 12 days prior been this big thing that would motivate them and guide them through, no longer carried any weight and they gave up. And if we can be real with each other this morning, this can be us in our relationship with God. The high of the great worship set has faded. We've gotten home and we know we should spend some time with God, but something good is on Netflix. A friend calls up, we'd rather go out with them and an early night suddenly seems like a great idea. And before we know it, our relationship with God is no longer what's motivating us in life. But let me tell you this this morning, God loves you. He knows you by name and he desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to be your motivation. If you feel like you've drifted away, perhaps now is a great time about thinking of making a New Year's resolution just to pray more, just to read more, just to spend more time with God and seeking Him for your motivation and thanking Him for your success. Like Joshua, we need to know where our success came from. Are you still with me, church? I hope this isn't coming across too heavy this morning because I'm here to encourage you. But as we head into New Year, there are so many things that we can glean and apply from Joshua's life to our own. And as my prayer that these points will help us push towards steady, long-lasting growth. So quick recap. Point number one, Joshua was humble and teachable. Point number two, Joshua knew where his success came from. And if you're writing notes, our third and final point, and I might, might get you to come up if you don't mind, please, Tegan. Point number three is this. Courage is anchored by the word of God. Be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1 verses 6 to 9, God tells Joshua directly three times to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I have swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my Moses servant commanded you. Do, do, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way very prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. What a powerful passage of Scripture. We have looked at what led Joshua to this point. A man who had served faithfully and humbly for 40 years under Moses. A man who had led the Israelites into battle. A man who had gone into enemy territory to scout the land. And a man who knew that God was the key to his success. But here God is saying, be strong and courageous. In the journey to this moment, Joshua had been prepared for this moment yet he is still told to be strong and courageous. I read this passage over and over and one verse that kept sticking out to me was verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. 
In this passage of Scripture, Joshua was not just charged with reading the book of the law, but also speaking it, thinking upon it, and then acting upon it. And if he did this, then he would have success. If you're speaking something, thinking about it, and then acting upon it, there's a good chance you're going to know it. But by doing these actions, Joshua would intimately know the book of the law. And this was before the Bible app on our phones. It was probably a little bit more involved than just picking it up, unlocking and clicking. And when you know the Word of God, you know His promises. Courage is anchored by the Word of God. Look at where that verse is placed. Right between be strong and courageous in verse 6, only be strong and very courageous in verse 7, and in verse 9, be strong and courageous. God is commanding Joshua to know His Word. But once again, to not only know the Word, proclaim it. It shall not depart your lips. Pray and think upon it. Meditate upon it day and night. Do according to all that is written in it. Live it. Church, as we head into the new year, when the hard times come, I want to be courageous. I want to know the promises in the Word. I want to be anchored in God's words, not the words of everything around me. I want to proclaim these words as I drive to work more or go to school or to that doctor's appointment. I want to read the Word more, dig deeper into what God has to say and build my faith higher. Know more and seek Him in a fresh and a new way. And church, I don't just want to speak it or read it. I want to walk it out. Courage is anchored in the Word of God. So why don't we know our Word more? It has never been easier for you or I. We have smartphones. We have access to world-class preachers and teachers of words from our phones. We have Bible reading plans on a free app that help us dig deeper into God's words. And as we head into a new year, it doesn't have to be some unattainable, over-the-top resolution. It could be as simple as, I'm going to start a five-day reading plan and stick to it. I'm going to make more time to pray on my way to work. Let's be a church that knows our word intimately and deeply and that is shaped by it. Courage is anchored by the word of God. I might take this opportunity and invite the rest of the worship team up if I could, please. Is this resonating with you this morning, church? My heart is to encourage. And as we bring this to a close, the three points we had this morning were the following. Number one, Joshua was humble and teachable. Number two, Joshua knew where his success came from. And number three, courage is anchored in the Word of God. There's a quote I saw in a store the other day that made me stop and I stared at it and it said this, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, which is a famous Chinese proverb. Joshua's journey to that point of being commissioned by God to lead the people of Israel started with a single step following Moses out of Egypt. It was a step that led him to a journey of steady growth, not immediate success. A journey that saw him remain humble, know where his success came from, and saw him remain anchored in God's Word and ultimately rely upon God for his success. And that same God who was with Joshua is here with us today in this very moment. And He loves you all so much, no matter what. And today as we reflect upon 2018 and we start thinking about 2019, perhaps it's time for us to take that first step or step back onto the journey and say, Lord, 
I'm ready to humble myself. I'm ready to do this journey with you. Joshua was humble and teachable. Joshua knew where his success came from. Encourage is anchored by the Word of God. Be strong and courageous. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Wasn't that great? Just with every eye closed, just for a minute, I just want to close in prayer this morning. But I don't know everybody's journey in here, but I I, I want to uh, use what Pastor Jordan has said this morning to talk about talk about Jesus and and where potentially Jesus is in your journey. I don't know if there's anybody here this morning and maybe you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus or you have once had a very strong relationship and it's drifted. But Jordan's first point this morning with every eye closed was simply, it was about humility, humble and teachable. Do you know that in Philippians chapter 2.6, it's talking about Jesus and it says, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You see, Jesus had humility and because of that chose to come down. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that He gave. You see, God's motivation was determined by love and that love led to action, which was that He sent His Son. And then it talks about, Jordan talked about how our courage is founded in the Word of God. In Psalm 33, it talks about that my hope is in the Lord. You see, when you have the understanding that Jesus is God, is is the Son of God, He came down to this earth out of love to die for our sins so that we can put our confidence in Him, knowing that when we have relationship with Jesus, we're in right standing with God. In saying all of those things about Christ's humility, God's love for us and that we can find hope in Him, the simple question with every eye closed this morning I wanna ask is, how is your relationship with Jesus? You know, there's a journey that we need to go on with God, but simply to be restored to God, to know that you're in right standing with God is to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth and the Bible says that you're in right standing with God. It says you'll be saved. So with every eye closed this morning and every head bowed, this is simply because I want there to be privacy. If you wanna know that you have a right relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've never considered it before and you want someone to put your hope in. I have done it and it was the best decision I've ever made. Just in this next minute, while no one's looking around, can you pop up your hand? I'd love to pray with you this morning, just quickly. Is there anybody in this place? Great, thank you. You can pop your hands down once you've popped it up. That's awesome. What we're going to do right now is as a community, we're all going to pray together. There are a couple of people in this room that raised their hands this morning that want to know that they're in relationship with Jesus. And can I encourage uh, those people that did? I'm going to wait down the front for five minutes after the service. I want to give you a Bible. 
and it's got a little information uh, thing in there about who Jesus is and why He's so important to us. And I'd, I'd love to connect you with someone that can walk with you. So can we all pray together this morning? I'm going to say something and I'd ask that you'd repeat it. So I'll do the call, you answer with the same thing and we'll all pray the same prayer together. So dear Jesus, I come to you this morning knowing I'm not perfect. I have sinned and done stuff wrong. I ask that you would forgive me. I believe in my heart, you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. You rose again. Please come into my life. Be my God and help me to live for you. In Jesus' Name, Amen.